welcome to the spin. It's Conrad, it's Kino, and it's MJ. I'm not going to ask hey, how you all. I, I said MJ already. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that's, that's how it usually and goes. Conrad. <laughs> and Maybe, then Kino. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to ask how you guys are today. Uh, because you're just going to pause and you know give me grief when I have to edit again. So I hope you're all well, and we're going to leave it there. We've got two topics to talk about today. We're going to be talking about the upcoming, or probably by the time that this is released, the, the, the past U.S. election. And then we've got a bit of an analysis on Tito Mboweni, that part-time chef who, uh, who sort of moonlights as the finance minister. He is his midterm budget speech and the key takeaways from there so kino yeah, let's see I, what he cooks up in, in the kitchen for us right yeah. that's a brilliant pun kino I'm, I'm so glad we've got you on the team for your witty comments so mj this is this is your your area i see you've focused on it you've written a mini dissertation in our, our pre <laughs> pre talk notes so why don't you talk us through you know, the U.S. election, we've got Donald Trump, we've got Joe Biden. What are, what are the thoughts? Yeah, so for our listeners, it's probably happening today, assuming you're listening on Tuesday, the 3rd of November. Uh, although many people have already voted earlier. I think I saw a figure, it was, I think, 90 or 80 million Americans. Um, it will, though, however, take a while for all the votes to be tallied, especially because of um, mail-in voting. But, yeah, I wanted to just talk a bit about the impact of the elections or the potential outcomes on South Africa. So all of this info is from the Stellenbosch University's Bureau for Economic Research. So overall, they, see, they seem to say that polling points towards former, former VP Joe Biden as the favorite, with a reasonable chance that the Democrats will end up controlling both houses of the US Congress. Now, the effect on SA, if Biden were to win, is that, or if or rather if there was a Democratic sweep, i.e. the Democrats control both houses, with, with that there, there would be like a high likelihood of another large US fiscal stimulus package, which obviously means more support for a US and then global recovery in 2021, which is overall going to have a positive spillover effect for, for SA. A Biden presidency may be beneficial to one of South Africa's major export markets, i.e. China. So Conrad, I see you've also got some thoughts on this. What do you think about the potential outcome. Yeah, MJ, you know, you, you spoke about it's going to take a while for the results to come in. I see CNN is saying that they, they're expecting the preliminary results in by Wednesday, um, so okay. that by the time this is, is published, that'll be tomorrow. Um, and it's interesting to see that, you know, the well-known publication, The Economist, has openly come out and supported Biden's run for, for presidency. And, mm. and and you say that on a bit of a tangent, you say that, you know, Biden, if Biden win, we likely to see large uh, fiscal stimulus. But I think at the end of the day, there's going to be fiscal stimulus anyway. The only difference between a Democratic and Republican um, is going to be the quantity um, mm. with the Republicans wanting a smaller recovery plan and the Democrats wanting wanting a bigger one. And then you spoke a bit about the, the worldwide effect of the fiscal stimulus. Um, I see China had a, had a strong week as, as a lot of their data came out and two of their manufacturing indices are showing eight and six months of expansion respectively um, while Europe prepares for, for a lockdown. And it's, I think there's a lot of uncertainty because there's, there's with the Trump-Clinton 2016 election, Clinton was predicted to win in most of the models, but that's the thing with models. You know, there's that error, that error thing. And even if now, Trump was only predicted to win in eight or 10 out of 100 scenarios. We just happened to be in one of those scenarios. So, you know, you, you can't mm. you can't just say of the model saying this, that's what's going to happen. And there's looking a bit of currency. Um, I know, Kino, you're quite big on your, your Forex. 
Has a bit of sarcasm there. <laughs> um, so that the dollar has been largely stable against the Chinese currency, the renminbi, over the last month. And bring it uh, closer to home, the rand has strengthened against the dollar, which is which is interesting. You know, seeing as we had a lot of data coming out in this period as well. Gina, you've been ominously silent. Talk to me about your thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, just a little bit about China. So last week I spoke about China's very, very strong um, economic recovery from COVID. But as um, Michael put that point in, they were the first to get hit. So they, were the, they had the longest time to recover. And then I would just say um, on the, you know, uh, Trump or Biden, I think a very important factor, you know, with China growing in, in, in its, its economic force is, um, you know, Trump's trade protectionism um, is his very trade protectionist, you know, he's all America first slogan and now he claims that Chinese trade, uh, it's um, local manufacturers. And we've seen this in, you know, these year long, well, multi-year long trade wars with China, which we just heard the relationship between US and China, specifically with brands like Huawei and, and the like. So I think that's another, another important, um, interesting macroeconomic consideration for whether Trump um, or Biden wins. I mean, we'll see how um, Biden approaches US trade protectionism um, when it happens. Because it does seem to be a kind of general um, public, I, I, I wouldn't say dissent, but there seems to be kind of a negative view from the American public when it comes to Chinese trade. So um, it would be interesting to see how Biden um, uh, approaches um, Chinese trade. Definitely, definitely. Well, that's something we're going to probably comment on next week. You know, we're seeing the results and we can, we can have a look at up our forecasts on sort of the, the upcoming term for whoever does make it into the White House. So our second topic for today is the South African budget speech. Um, I see we've got a lot on, lot on this. So buckle yourselves in. MJ, I see you going to provide the highlights. Yeah. So firstly, uh, I never thought I'd hear quotes from literature. John Maynard Keynes and the Bible in a single 50-minute budget speech, but uh, that's what happened. <laughs> well, something for everyone, something for the whole family. Yeah, <laughs> but some of the, the key highlights and predictions from this budget, um, one of them being that the SA economy is expected to contract by 7.8% in 2020 this year. And during this medium-term budget, Tito provided a five-year fiscal consolidation trajectory that promotes economic growth while keeping debt in check. Within this five-year period, the debt-to-GDP debt ratio is expected to stabilize at around 95%. So any comments on that, guys? Well, Kino, if I can just butt in here, you know, the That's 95%, thank you, the 95% is already higher than, than um, what, was, what was slated in the emergency budget speech um, sort of at the, at the onset of, of corona. I think it's something like 8% higher than what was predicted at that point. And one of the key issues, you know, is, and I might be jumping a bit ahead here, MJ, so you must, you must tell me to stop if I'm, if I'm stealing your thunder. But it's, you know, is, is the government going to be able to, to keep on this, this fiscal and financial consolidation plan? You know, they, they, they've been saying that they, they're going to be cutting back on the wage bill. Um, major trade unions are saying, no, thank you, and that they're going to strike if, if this happens, yeah. you know, and this is largely going to cripple the government bureaucracy. Um, and major analysts see this as a major indicator on government's appetite to stick to the fiscal consolidation, you know, with, with you know, a wage freeze, early retirement, um, accounting for half of the spending cuts, in, you know, slated by Finance Minister Mbaweni. So it's definitely, it, it's the line in the sand. Is government willing to go the Margaret Thatcher route and break the union's backs? 
Or are they just going to say, this is our plan, but you know, not really implement it? Yeah. Mm. I would just say that I'm talking about the increase in debt. There's, there's a very interesting table in the, um, the budget speech document where there's a, a long list of South Africa's peers and then they compare the projected three-year increase in government debt. And um, along these peers, we have the China, Philippines, India, Colombia, Thailand, Turkey, to name a few, and then it's, it's just a, a table. And South Africa by far has the highest projected three-year increase in debt. So it's just interesting to see um, relative to our peers who obviously um, based on you know familiar economic conditions will have to go through their own kind of economic um, recovery and their own kind of first recovery and to see that you know we by far have the highest three-year increase in debt. Um, and that just shows that we are favoring an, an increase in debt as our way of, of um, taking it on. Um, and it's around just below the 25% mark. Um, I just thought there was a, a, interest, an interesting relative comparison to see. Yeah, and on, on the note of the wage bill, um, I also saw that Fitch also quite doubtful that um, these decreases in the wage bill are actually gonna take effect um, for many of the reasons you outlined. And also on the notes of other credit ratings agencies. So Moody's also had quite a lot to say on this medium term budget, um, which I guess this kind of summarizes Maybe I'll save this for the end, um, but specifically on the debt, they forecast the debt servicing costs will reach 6.6% of GDP by fiscal year 2022. So that's wow. Moody's prediction versus government's 5.6%. And they also expect that the average interest rate on debt will reach 7.8%, which is exceeding the growth in nominal GDP of 5.6%. Now that's actually quite that's really worrying relevant. and relevant, but worrying, yeah. Yeah. I've seen shocked by that by that statement. But Kino to the rescue. Yeah, I mean, um, there's not there's not much more to say to that. That's kind of just like um the the harrowing numbers how, how Michael puts it. But you know, for weeks we we always talk about South Africa's debt problem and, and and it is a big problem. And I think that's just you know we broadly talk about this problem, but I think that's a very nice way of just you know encapsulating it and saying that look you know this is actually what it looks like. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And I see um, I see you've got something here on tax revenue and SAA, MJ? Ah, yes, uh, the elephant in the room. So 10.5 billion Rand uh, has been allocated towards SAA to implement its business rescue plan, which, yeah, when uh, while watching the budget speech, as soon as that was announced, there were there were many groans um, from the audience. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, I just want to comment there. So the, the DA or the, the now um, DA leader, I think at the, the time of the budget speech, he was the interim leader, uh, John Steenhuisen. He, he interrupted Finance Minister Mboweni and, you know, he wanted to know where this money was coming from and why. And Mboweni, he, he very clearly stated that, you know, this money was for guarantees. Um, so mm. I, I want to just raise the point here that the government has guaranteed a lot of debt on, on state-owned entities, um, debt books and, you know, so this debt is going to be coming to you over the next few years, and it's SAA now. But at the end of the day, this money that every year there's going to have to be money thrown at somewhere because they've guaranteed this debt. So it's not necessary to rescue SAA. It's just they said they would, they would meet the debt obligations, and now the the cows are coming home. And you know you can say all these sayings, but they've they've dug themselves this hole. Yeah. yeah. So this midterm policy framework. It, it aims to, of course, tighten the main primary deficit from an expected $266 billion in 2021-2022 to $84 billion in 2023-2024 and to a budget surplus, surplus 
2025-2026. So Kino, how how is government planning on doing that? Yes, I think um, in the past we've spoken about um, you know South Africa has, has faced economic contraction for a very long time, and it's been contested on okay how do we go about you know getting out of this economic doldrum right to be. Um, just really go for interest rate cuts and monetary measures, but it's the opinion of a lot of economists um, and analysts that w- with a, a country like South Africa that is, um, you know, plagued by so many structural problems that the, the, the way to go is on a structural level, you know, um, increase infrastructure, you know, improve infrastructure and, and you know, change a lot of things that that on, on the base level. And that's what we've reiterated a lot of the time. So I was very pleased to see the budget speech, you know, in this there's this economic recovery plan that is specifically focused on um, building infrastructure. And the main points they say is, is building infrastructure, expanding electricity generation, um, allocating digital spectrum, and supporting rapid industrialization and employment. Which sounds lovely. Um, sounds sounds very very nice. And it says that um, the government is aiming to roll to roll out structural forms to modernize network industries and reduce barriers to entry. Um, it's very important to note that when it comes to data costs, even in the, the, in the developing world, South Africa has one of the largest um, data costs, you know, on an aggregate level, which, which really um, hinders productivity. And there's a lot of studies that go into that. So um, I, I'm glad that there's going to be resources devoted to that. And, you know, the angle is, is reform. These reforms are aiming to raise growth over 3%, um, you know, in the ne- subsequently over the next 10 years and create more than 1 million jobs. So this, this, this all sounds great. This is what everybody wants to hear. Um, but I, I, not to, to, to be the dead horse, but the question at the back of everybody's head is um, one, how, two, how much? And, you know, are these just empty promises and, and, and how are we actually going to go about this, especially with the amount of debt um, that, that needs to be serviced? So um, I, I did a little bit of analysis of the, 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 the planned government spending, just a little bit of a base level analysis. It's, it's nothing fancy, but I think that is something interesting to talk about if you guys want me to go into that. Yeah, go for it. Why not? Sure. So, um, I think before I go into this, it's very important to kind of orient ourselves, right? So, obviously, 2020, we've been hit very hard by COVID. So, 2021, um, the growth that we're going to see from 2021 is obviously going to be more um, aggressive and, and, and better than prior years. Because if you think about it, I, I like to use this analogy. Um, we are at negative now. So, the growth going from now to next year is kind of getting back to a zero base, right? So, as the economy, economy recovers, more industries get opened. I mean, all the industries are open now, but obviously there's a recovery that, it, that needs to happen. Clients that need to be regained. Obviously, consumers are, are scared to go out. So we're going to see a lot of, we'll, we'll see big recovery in, in the next year for sure if um, the recovery situation better. But it's very important to contextualize that, guys. That I, I don't want to say that it's artificial that I put in inverted commas, in commas, but it's not really expansionary um, in the sense that it's, it's us getting back from negative to zero. Um, and I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on that. If if you share that same that same statement, before I go on, yeah, I think I think you know it, it's just coming off a lower base, so the numbers look better. Um, but at the end of the yeah. day, you know, it's yeah. not anything to to write home about. So there's there's no real positive there. Yeah. Um, so well, I guess yeah. the positive is that it's not yeah it's not it's not a decline. It's not stagnation. Like it's it's the right direction. It's just it not be as much in the right direction as we'd all want. Yeah. So yeah, let's just discuss, you know, so I, I've kind of pointed out, you know, this recovery plan and, and those three things that are in, you know, um, the, the how, the how much, and what it actually happened. And then I, I thought, you know, let's look at the government expenditure and, and, and let's see what, what the government is planning. So um, 
in in the Matambad speech that 2021 predicted 2022 predicted and 2023 predicted for time periods. So let's just um, contextualize ourselves a bit. When it comes to real GDP growth, um, in 2019, we experienced 0.2 um, real GDP growth. As Michael uh, said, we are predicting that for 2021, it's going to be um, a, seven, a negative 7.8% growth. So there's going to be a slow down, a decrease of 7.8% in, in, in GDP for 2020. In 2020, we're expecting 3.3% GDP growth. So uh, this is where this kind of nuance comes in. Um, from negative 7.3% to 3.3% growth is a massive amount. But as we said, you know, it's coming up from this base. Um, but going forward, you know, 2022-2023, I think it's important now that we compare this 2022 and 2022, not 2021, but to 2019. Um, and why I say that is that this 2021 is again going to be this, this, this um, abnormal period of growth. So um, I did a little bit of change, uh, calculated the changes in growth with using 2019 as a base. Um, and if you compare the 2022 to 2019 growth, and, these also, and, and this is like, you know, assuming that things are normal, uh, we're expecting that GDP grows by um, 48%, you know, and then um, 11% um, after that. Um, sorry, that's the only, sorry. So going from 2019 to 2020, we're expecting actually 750% growth. So I, I just think to myself, looking at those numbers, 750%, um, you know, uh, 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 under these circumstances and, and, and given where we are, you know, how viable is that? And, and how do we make that happen? You know, um, and, and, and that to me is just very shocking. And then if we go to the economic development spending, um, which, which is what I would assume where all these plans for, for infrastructure would come from um, and, and the like, you know, in, in 2019, um, which is our base, the economic development spending was 209 billion. Uh, can, can, can I just pause you there? Because I feel like our listeners might get a bit confused with what you've just said. So the 750% is not 750% actual growth. It's no. It's the change, the change. in it's growth. Change. So it's from yeah. 0.2 to 1.7%. To 1.7, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify um, that. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, you know, we all get confused when it comes to percentage point changes and, and percentage growth changes. Yeah, um, all right. And don't go cite that 750% number as, oh, the, the, the spin says that, that this, you know, <laughs> that's just some, some contextualization of what, we are, of what we're looking at. Um, and then I really wanted to drill down on this economic development spending number that the, the South African government has stated. Because at the end of the day, this is where we're going to see this reflection um, in these, you know, infrastructure um, things that the government is committed to. So again, just to con contextualize 2019, this number was 209 billion. 2020, it was 211. 2021 predicted it's 224 and 2022 predicted it's 236. 2023, it's 242. Um, in, if you do the same thing, we compare this to, to, to our base year, right? Our, our 2019 year for 2021, that's only a 7.5% increase. 2022, that's only a 13.1% increase. And 2023, 2023, that's a 15.8% increase. If we just compare year on year, so how it would be normally done, you know, 2019, 2021, um, from 2020 to 2021, that's a 6.4% increase. And then from 2021 to 2022, that's a 5.16% increase. So, um, you know, someone that likes to look at the numbers and, and looks to see what actually happens, I'm sure you can, you can see what I'm getting at. Is that how are we increasing the, the actual spending by such a little amount? And how are we expecting 
these these massive turnarounds you know obviously when it comes to you know economics and and, and these numbers we don't expect a, a equivalent one for one right obviously 1.1% of economic development spending um isn't going to result in 1% of of gdp growth or the like but it's just interesting to look at these numbers and just try to wrap yourself your, your head around um if we've 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 seen kind of constant spending over these years and and and, and constant what we've resolved we've seen historically how are we going to miraculously achieve this massive amount of growth? And I think the the devil's advocate answer would be, you know, maybe the spending is just going to be much more efficient. Maybe it's just going to be put in the right places. You know, maybe it's the first time that we are attacking infrastructure in the right way, going for networks and stuff like that, which I think would be the main argument for that. But I, I just really want to start a conversation around this um, from you guys, because just um, from the number and, and the percentage growth, it's, it's, it's really, you know, n- number three in my head is, is really starting to... to you know, the, the, the lights started to blink. Remember, I said my number one is, you know, how, number two is how much, and number three is, you know, are we actually going to see this happen, or, or is it just kind of pie in the sky? So, so, so what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, I just want to uh, jump in here. So you, you, you illustrate the, the growth in the economic development spending is a lot smaller than the estimated uh, real GDP growth change. Um, and it's actually interesting, in the budget speech itself, uh, Minister Mbaweni spoke about how, um, in the previous, you know, the, the global financial crisis of 2007-2008, for every one rand that the government spent, their their return on the economic growth was greater than one rand. Yeah, but yeah. He, he mentioned how now it's it's less than one rand. So, so wow. in essence, that directly relates to this. So, how can you only you know, grow your your development spending by let's say 13, 15 percent, and and you're getting less than one rand return on that, and you're expecting these big changes in GDP? Uh, I yeah. think maybe we're missing something here or we've stumbled onto yeah. something big. MJ, do you want to yeah. be our sanity check? No, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of, I don't really have many comments on the three, but uh, on the third point, uh, but for me, kind of the, the main thing is, yeah, the how and the how much. Um, and I could, maybe you could even add a fourth one in the where, you know, because it's all good and well to say, you know, we're going to spend, okay, I don't have exact figures in front of me, but like, Two billion rand on culture, um, culture being you know, um, you know, um, what's the word, education and stuff. But is the money going to go to the right places? You know, where it can be used productively, where it can create this growth that is kind of the intent behind it. Definitely, definitely an issue. We've got we've got a lot of money to spend, but you know, it's uh, there. Uh, there was an article I was reading today. Um, one of the the government. Uh, in entities paid 200,000 rand for a wooden mock. So, you know, that, that's the kind of expenditure then maybe we should Productive get. Productive asset. The, the mock I mean, we, we could have a whole podcast when it comes to um, corruption and then misuse of government funds. Um, but I think if, if anybody is listening that is an economist and is, you know, maybe we're wrong and maybe economic development spending is not the right line item to look at. And I've looked at the other line items and I'm not going to do a full analysis of other line items, but I would say um, the one nuance is that there is a line item called social development spending. Um, and let's say that I'm wrong and, and, and this is where we're going to see the growth. Um, I'm not going to go through all the numbers, but you know, it, it's it's the same thing. Whereas that, you know, year on year we're seeing very small increases. And even when we do that, 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 that other, you know, um, we used 2019 as the base, we're still seeing, you know, minuscule increases. And um, when we look in, in the, the, you know, the budget documents as what they define as the social development spending, um, it says that it's the, the government's social protection system works to reduce poverty and equality by issuing social grants and providing social welfare services for vulnerable groups. So I, w- I would say that that money isn't going to be reflected in that. 
Um, so, you know, I, I'm really interested to, to if I'm wrong, um, you know, let's see where, where, where those numbers are and, and, and what it is. Because, and I think this is a, a very nice case study um, when it comes to stuff like this. It's, it's, it's really nice to hear, you know, the qualitative, this is what we plan to do. But um, when you look at the numbers, it's, it's, now it's scary, but it's always very valuable to see, you know, how, how are we actually going to do this, you know, and, and to, to, to what quantitative extent, uh, which I think is, 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 is very interesting in this, in, in this scenario. Yeah, I think I'll just provide my, my closing thoughts on that note. Um, and that's that just some comments from Moody's um, is that they, they don't expect to see, um, you know, this massive growth. They expect that SA growth is going to be flat or it's going to be much slower or less rather than, um, yeah. than predicted. And there's a quote by them. Uh, the MTBS provides a little additional detail on the implementation of structural reforms that would boost economic activity sustainably. Basically, you know, what they're saying is that this budget plan speech isn't really providing much new, showing us. So, so, us so it's a little bit of number three, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Number three. There we go. So I think I think we've comprehensively covered the topics that we set out to cover today. Um, but I see our time has come to an end. And yep. I imagine our listeners are probably also thinking, sure, it's quite a long episode this week. So, so fret not, we are on, on the cusp of ending. So thank you very much, guys, for, for your time and your, your thoughts today. I think it was a, a very insightful discussion. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Definitely. Cheers. Right. Cheers. Cheers.